0: stand up for the uh, reading of the word um, if your Bible in front of you it's page 872 sorry I'm a little sinusy <laughs> quit laughing um, that's Luke 19 Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town there was a man there named Zacchaeus he was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest from your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. The people were displeased. He has gone to, the home to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost.
1: Thank you, Aaron, so much for that. Can y'all give it up for Aaron? Yeah, yeah listen. Uh, Aaron and his wife, Jessica, have been coming to the church for a little while. And I have the pleasure of him being in my growth group. And if you do not know Aaron, someone that is just full of joy, quick with a smile, fast with a laugh— I encourage you to say hello. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate you uh, reading that for us. So if you don't know me, my name is Joe. I'm one of the the pastors here at Hope City Church, people that are watching online as well. I'm just so thankful uh, that you're here with us today, that we got to sing some songs of worship together, shake some hands, hug some necks, maybe see some people we haven't seen for a while, and also to open up God's Word. And not only learn something today, but also to be, uh, to be inspired. You know, just thinking about the last couple weeks, about what's been going on in the church, and just hearing stories of people. I'm just so incredibly proud of all of you. The people that have been making sacrifices with their schedules been, been changing their lives to come to either be in a growth group or make it important to be in church and so i 'm just incredibly proud of what god 's doing in your life i 'm grateful for that i 'm grateful for what he 's doing in my life and the people here at hope city church and so again i 'm just so glad uh, what God is doing. Can we just give God a hand of praise for what he 's doing today i 'm so so glad of that. man, God just keeps showing up over. And over again. And so today we're starting a series of messages called Coffee Dinner Jesus. It's called Coffee Dinner Jesus. And with our goal with Coffee Dinner Jesus is to inspire and also to challenge you to invite people to meet Jesus. To invite people to meet Jesus around you. And know that like when we come up here, uh, you know, I speak for myself and, and, you know, anybody that steps in this pulpit to preach and to talk to you guys, is that we're not here to give you information. We're not here to make you laugh. We're not here to tell you stories. What we're here to do is to to inspire you to have an encounter with the Holy God, to have a moment to say, man, God, what are you trying to tell me today? And then to take that message and then to go to the people that may or may not know Jesus and share that with them. And so I'm just incredibly grateful that we are going to do that today and that our focus today is to share the news of Jesus with others who could go for a coffee right now? Anybody? Anybody? Listen, this is crazy. I went to, I went to uh, star, uh, Starbucks. Pfft. I went to Sundergross this morning. This is how incredibly disappointing this was. I went to Sundergross this morning to go get a drip coffee. I love drip coffee. It was broke. They had not turned on their machine yet. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So they, they, you know, I had to get something else. But I mean, I love coffee. I love coffee so much. And listen, we're not going to talk about coffee today. Although I've been to two plantations in two different countries. I've been on a, I've been on a podcast called the, the Coffee Snobs. But that's not what we're here to talk about, okay? What I want to talk to you about is the ritual of coffee. What happens over a cup of coffee You know, for me, it's a safe invitation for 30 to 40 minutes of someone I don't know, or maybe I do know, and to sit across them and say, hey, you know what? I see you. Why don't you tell me what you like? Why don't you tell me about your family? Why don't you tell me about what you did yesterday? Did you used to play high school sports? It's just a moment. It's not about politics, and it's not about, you know, stimulus checks. It's none of that. Don't get too deep. It's just about just a few minutes. You know, a coffee, to me, I want to say it's kind of like having small talk. That might be a dirty word for some people in the room. I don't like small talk. You mean I'm supposed to engage with people I may or may not know and just ask them, how are you are doing? Yeah. It, it, you know, it, the thing is, is it, it, it's called small talk, but small talk is no, no small thing. Small talk is the, is the bridge to a deeper, meaningful conversation. It's the one that you're, just, you're willing to say, hey, how you doing? You know, Karen and I, uh, our washer and dryer broke, and so Home Depot's like two and a half weeks out for delivery. So I got to be like an awesome husband. I, I took my wife someplace she's never been before. Super exotic place the laundromat. <laughs> so we go to the laundromat, and I was like, hey, we should go somewhere fun. So we went to the one in Iroquois Manor, and it's like the international laundromat. We had a blast. Well, I did. Karen was in her phone like this, and I was like, oh my gosh, you've been a laundromat? How are you doing? And then talked to this lady, and that person, and the worker, and then the lady that I really had a conversation with was like, hey, listen, I haven't been a laundromat in two and a half years. Like, she had to qualify, like, nobody really goes to the laundromat in case it's like an emergency. I'm like, me too. Like, so, But what we had is, and I, you know what? I took away from that conversation with her a blessing and an encouragement. That some stranger, we had something in common that a half a cup of Tide cost a dollar, which was like, why is that so expensive? But we were able to just have this common bond. I didn't get to talk to her about Jesus. I didn't get to talk about her family. But you know what I did? Hello, I see you. You see me. How are you doing? And that gives me courage for the next person. That isn't going to bite my head off. That isn't going to yell at me. So that's what I mean by when I'm saying coffee. It's just this opportunity to have have a small conversation with someone. The next thing we're talking about is dinner. Who likes to eat? Anybody? Depending on what time you ate dinner last night or if you skipped breakfast, you're probably wondering, how long is Joe going to (laughs) go? Yeah, I mean, there might be people in the front row with stomach rumbling. I don't know. So what I'm talking about when I say dinner, I'm not talking about how most of us in our culture experience dinner in a drive-thru on a Tuesday between dance recital and, ba- and, and hitting practice. It's not what I'm talking about. So often we're so rushed. We're just trying to like f- sustain our bodies. But when I say dinner, I mean like intentional time, slowing down and saying, hey, Kenneth, I know you. Why don't you come over to my house? Why don't you, I know you have, I know you have three kids. I know you work, but like what makes you tick? And, And dinner is more of an investment of your time with someone else. So we have coffee, it's a, it's a short, small talk, and then we have dinner, this is like, I see more in you, I want to invest more in you, I want to hear what you are, I want to hear what you value. So that makes sense, so that we got small talk, and then we got the, something a little bit deeper. And the beautiful thing about like this coffee and dinner thing, don't get caught up with like motives, like this isn't like, well, I, I, my schedule's full, I can't go Google Calendar and find 10 minutes for coffee with someone. No, think of it like, I'm in the grocery store, hey, you like extra gum, it's 10 for one. Like, we just talk to whoever's right next to you, and then you be, you may spark up a conversation. Or maybe it's the people in your kid's basketball court. You're there for an hour and a half. This is an opportunity for you to have a more deeper conversation. What interests you besides your, your kid's basketball? And so ultimately, like our hope to have these small coffee moments and these little bit deeper uh, dinner moments is to have an opportunity to share Jesus with people. I don't know about you, but I, when someone knows me and they're valued in me, I want to listen to them. And so this is that bridge that we're building to get To Jesus, and so it's our heart that during these next two messages, that you will be able to take an opportunity to see people, to notice them, to be interested, to invest in them, see value in them, and then also to share the love and the hope of Jesus to people who may be hurting or in bondage. So we want to seek opportunities to notice them. We want to see value in them, and hopefully, we want to introduce them to Jesus. And so when I was preparing for this message, I like had this moment. I don't think it was the Holy Spirit. I really think it was DreamWorks because something came up to me and I was like, ogres are like onions. Just like onions, ogres have layers. Well, we're just like ogres. We have layers too. We need to peel back this onion that we call ourselves. And so this is what we're doing to get to know what's deep inside each one of you onions in the room today. Is we have to peel you back. And we do that through conversations. We do that from conversations. That's how we get to know another person. That's how we get to know what deep down inside they believe. What their core beliefs are how they see the world. See, every person, they they possess their own worldview. It's the perspective of which they see and interpret life. It's how they live consistently. Well, as consistently as as people can be. And so, you know, during the Shape Series, Pastor hit on this because he talked about how our desires, our beliefs, and our emotions, and the way that, that people think, shape the person that we physically see in front of us and so it's through conversations that we get to go through man why do you think that way why do you feel that way you know what deep down inside is your core the core that drives you and so that is what we're doing we're peeling back these layers coffee through small conversations of connection dinner intentional conversations where you get to invest and learn someone's values And then ultimately we get to talk to them about Jesus. And for us as believers in the room today, I say Jesus, but what I really mean is what's someone's worldview? What what is their core value? And the interesting thing is that you will get to see that like people don't even a lot of people don't even know what their world value is, what their worldview is. And so that's where we get to, because we've been transformed by Jesus, to share that and hopefully explain to them why we have faith in Jesus and then they may have a faith in a job or a faith in a career or a faith in their kids or a faith in some other world belief, then we get to share the hope of Jesus. And so I want to tell you about a conversation that I had with a coworker. Now, this conversation lasted two, almost two years, and it was a journey that we went on. And this is how, someone, how she uh, noticed me, saw value in me, and, and eventually introduced me to Jesus. And so it's it's New Year's Eve in December of 2004. I'm 26 years old and I'm on the way to this New Year's Eve party of a friend. Now, if you're online and or you're in the room today and this is the first time you've ever heard a story about me in my 20s, you know the last time I shared a story about eating barbecued squirrel with a shirtless biker. So, let's just say when I was in my 20s, things were a lot a lot different. So, But here's the thing, I was super excited about getting this invite to go because I had a party to go to. I had a place to be at. I had people to hang out with and I had the new year to ring in with someone. Because see, most of the time I was spending my days at work. I worked a ton. I was on a track to just work, 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 work. I'm gonna be in management, I'm gonna do all the things, I'm gonna work. And then I lived in my mom's basement because I was 26. And why not? And I didn't pay rent. I was just saving a lot of money. And then I had this on again, off again, girlfriend. And at the time we were off again. And so this invite to this party was at a perfect, a perfect time. And I remember talking to the host and, and she was like, Hey, I'm so excited you're coming over. And I was like, well, what do you want me to bring? What do you want me to bring over? And she's like, it doesn't matter. You're our guest. You don't have to worry about bringing anything. Well, it's 04. I'm super pumped. I'm like, I'm going to bring over something totally awesome. And so I stop at this thing called Papa Murphy's. See, like back in the day, that was awesome. And I'm like, like Papa Murphy's, like, you know, the place that sells raw pizza for a dollar less than a cooked one that they bring to your house. But then you still have to cook it at home. And I was like, this is awesome. Well, I pull up. I'm late because Papa Murphy's took forever. They didn't even cook it. But like I pull up and this house is an amazing scene. I walk in. There's ribbons, streamers, balloons. There's a spread of food on the table that was We would call it a charcuterie now, but that word didn't exist back then. It was just a spread. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people are so excited that I'm here. I'm so excited that I'm here. And I got this stack of raw pizzas. I'm like, hey, how are we doing? Well, this New Year's Eve party that was hosted by a single mom that had four kids in elementary school. And here I am trying to strive my way through middle management at UPS, And I'm just a disaster. I didn't know Jesus. My hurts, my past had me living this awful, self-destructive lifestyle. And there's this single mom with with four kids in elementary school and says, hey, you know, you should come hang out with us. You should come and spend some time and ring in the new year with me. And I, you know, I I think about that now and I'm like, man, it, it must have been Jesus that explained the kind of relationship we had. There was no way in the world I would have invited myself to the party. My habits and, and my my problems that I was working through were causing me at that time in my life to lose so many of my lifelong friends. Friends I'd known since I was eight, 9, 10 years old did not want to associate me, but with this this mom that with these kids were like, hey Joe, why don't you why don't you, you come over? And it was just it was just amazing that 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 we were have an opportunity to meet and she wasn't pushy, she wasn't gospel-centric, she was just someone that saw me and knew I was hurting. She saw me and knew that there was something missing. She saw me and knew that there was something else in, that I needed inside of me. And, and, and so the thing that I take away big from this story is I'm sitting there in this living room floor, and we're watching three doors down at, you know, Dick Clark's New Year's Eve rock and roll thing, and we're, we're eating Papa Murphy's pizza, and her little kids take construction paper and they they cut out these paper crowns. And her little daughter comes over and she puts it on my head and she says, you know, Joe, you're royalty. You are a son of a king. And, you know, I grew up in a home that taught me to have a super critical eye. I can pick out a mistake a mile away. I can find everything wrong. I can tell you everything I've ever did wrong. I can tell you everything you did wrong. Like, but you know what that kid did and what, her, what, what that mom did is they saw something in me I didn't see in myself. That critical eye that I was carrying and living with never could have saw me as royalty. And that happened because for two and a half years, every day sitting in a cubicle, she would ask me, how you doing? She noticed days that my shirts were wrinkled. She noticed days that I stayed out too late. She noticed days that I had a cold. And it's like, Joe, you should go to the doctor. I remember she's like, hey, Joe, you're making a lot more money. You got a house yet? She talked me into buying a house. And it was just one of these things that kept noticing, kept noticing, kept noticing. And then she was like, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over? So it was, was, she saw me. She noticed me. She noticed me. She noticed me. Hey, you know what? Why don't you tell me what ticks? Saw value in me. Invested in me. Invested in me. And then eventually introduced me to Jesus. And it took two and a half years for that, that segment of time to invest in me. And that, and that is what I want to do now is, as we go into our, our Bible story, is I want to show you how my good friend Donna did what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. That she noticed me, she saw value in me, and it ultimately introduced me to Jesus. And so earlier, Aaron read the story of Zacchaeus. And we find Jesus at this moment, he's, he's coming outside of jericho he's he's on his way in he's blessed some children he talked to a religious leader he healed a blind beggar and here's he's on a roll like blessings are coming teachings coming healing's coming and so man people here people here the bible tells us that people they come and see that the lord is good well the lord was coming and people were coming to see and so you can imagine like this scene of this sight of people co- trying to get to the roadway and we see zacchaeus's response I'll read it to you here. It, it's, in, it's in verse three. It says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree beside the road and Jesus was passing that way. And so we, we see Jesus here, what does next? He responds to what Zacchaeus had done. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. And so the first thing that we see in the story is that Jesus, he noticed Zacchaeus. See, there's this huge crowd. They're pushing. They're trying to get to Jesus. There's this this amazing healer, this amazing teacher that's coming through. People are dragging their sick and weary to get to Jesus, just to hope to have a touch. There are religious people that are trying to get. They probably have questions. They've never been to answer. Let me get to them. But what about Zacchaeus? What was his motivation for seeing Jesus that day? If we think about Zacchaeus, he was successful. He was ambitious. He wasn't just an important person. It says that he was the chief position. He was the highest position at his job. So the text tells us that he was rich. He had status and reputation in his community. What else could this guy want? Why was he pressing in to go find Jesus? See, we we really don't know what's going on inside of Zacchaeus. Isn't that true about everybody around us? We really don't know what's going on inside of him you see them and you're like, well, they're perfect. They're awesome. They don't, I have nothing to offer them. So we never know what's going on in the inside. See, there were literally things that drove Zacchaeus up a tree, literally drove him up a tree. I think about this is that for for a thousand years, when Zacchaeus comes to mind, uh, I didn't grow up in church, but I know some of y'all did. So what comes to mind? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. I'll never sing again unless the worship team's up here. I promise. But can you imagine? You had a song wrote about how you were physically inadequate. How did that make you feel? Every time they walk in a room, wee, what up wee? I mean, I only know one wee man. That's that dude from those movies. Anyway, but how do you think that made him feel? Like it's like you had a song about how you are physically different. I bet that made him feel overlooked. I bet that made him feel inferior. I bet that it made him feel insecure. Tax collectors, they had a title, notorious sinner. Man, my dude's just trying to work hard, do his job, and everybody hates him. Who, who, who do you know that's hated because of what they do for a living? I, my heart goes out to, like, police officers. Man, people just think, like, they're just awful, because of their job title. Like they're just trying to do what God's called them to do. I think about politicians. How many lawyer jokes did you grow up thinking about? Like it's just things like people don't even get to know you. They just label you and then hate you. I, I can't imagine what that, how that made Zacchaeus feel. And so he's striving for recognition. He's striving for approval. He's striving for a salary. He's striving for a title. He's, he's striving. I don't know about you, but man, I, I feel like Zacchaeus. I feel like there was times in my life that I felt like Zacchaeus. What would it take for us to be like Jesus? What would it take for us to be like Jesus and look up and look around for those that we notice? To extend an invitation for someone to come close, to get involved, to find healing, to notice them, to not even for a religion, but a new, a new way of life. What would it happen today for you to look up from your busyness, to look up from your schedule, to look up and notice those that are, that are searching around you. You know, this could be a big sticking point for people. You're like, hey, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know the answers to the Bible. All Jesus said was like, hey, man. And that's all Jesus is asking us to do is just start a conversation. We don't need to have all the answers. We just need to start noticing people. So the first thing did, Jesus did is he noticed Zacchaeus. And then the second thing he did is he valued Zacchaeus. Let's look at it right here. It's in verse five. It says, quick. Come down, you must be in a, I must be in a guest in your home today. Jesus doesn't label Zacchaeus as a notorious sinner. He doesn't label as someone that's got uh, uh, physical issues. He doesn't label him. He's like, no man, I see you. i want to spend some time with you. And this is amazing, like that Jesus will come and say, hey, I just wanna spend some time with you. And I, I love here in the Bible that it just says that he came to be a guest in his home. It doesn't talk about what they talk about dinner. It doesn't give us a three-point step of how to evangelize over a coffee. It doesn't tell us what to make at dinner. It just says, hey, spend some time with them. And that's what Jesus did. He said, hey, let's just sit down and talk. Let's just sit down. I can imagine Zacchaeus unpacking his job I can imagine Zacchaeus talking about man how I used to rob and cheat people. I can imagine Zacchaeus unpacking all the things these people make fun of me. You know, I see you, I hear all these great things you're doing. Like how can I change all these conversations that they have over dinner? And and what Jesus was explaining to Zacchaeus at that moment is that you're worth something. Through his time, he tells Zacchaeus, "You have value. You have value." You know, I had lunch with a good friend a few, uh, a few days ago, very successful guy, he's retired. And all he kept talking about is like, man, I just need something to do with my time. I don't need money, I, I, don't, need, I don't need nothing. I, I just want, I have stuff in me that I want to put into other people. If it's save a business, if it's help a nonprofit, it's to help coach young guys. And he knew that he had value and he wanted to give it to somebody else. What about you? We put Jesus, we put Jesus, take him out, put us in that place. What about you? You know the value you have because of your relationship with Jesus. I know for me, when I feel comfortable with something, I want to use it. Give me a, I'm not as confident as Aaron with a, with a nailer and a cut saw. I can't frame a house, but you know what? I can build, a, I can build a, a, a blanket ladder. Yeah, I know how to build a blanket ladder. I can do that. But what about you? You may not know how to preach. You may not know uh, a theology. You may not know where the dead sea scrolls come from, but you know that Jesus you know, saved you. You may know that Jesus healed you. You may know that Jesus broke you from bondage. You may know that Jesus set you free. I know when I have value in something, I want to invest in it. If you're good at sports, you want to be a coach. If you're a great singer, you want to be in the choir. If you're a son and a daughter, you want to grow a kingdom. When you know that you are a son and daughter of a king, you want to add to the kingdom. And so that's what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. He noticed him and then he invested in him. So Jesus noticed Zacchaeus's value. I'm sorry, Jesus noticed him and then Jesus noticed that he had value. And the third thing that Jesus does is that he saved Zacchaeus. And this right here, you all, is where us by faith allow the Holy Spirit to take Jesus on and go into his place. Know today that you're not Jesus. This pressure to save someone to make sure they're going to heaven, to make sure that their values and and their hopes and their dreams align with God's kingdom is not your responsibility. It's just for you to be that representation of God's kingdom in their life. And so by faith, we ask the Holy Spirit, let me be like Jesus today. I wanna be available. I wanna share life, the good good news that, that is found in Jesus. Zacchaeus took Jesus To his house with great excitement and joy. Whenever you're sharing your faith with someone, do they feel excitement and joy about the life that you're sharing about Jesus? Man, I know when I was sitting in that cubicle and I was just whatever in life, my friend always had a smile on her face, always was positive, always was encouraging. And I'm like, Lord, let me be like Zacchaeus. To when I hear the good news of Jesus, I'm filled with excitement and joy. Zacchaeus was saved by Jesus. And how do we know that? It's because he was transformed. How do we know he was transformed? It says it right in the text. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give you half of my wealth and to the poor Lord. If I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. He was a notorious sinner, chief tax collector, I will give back four times what I took. If that isn't radical transformation, if that isn't a life changed by the good news of Jesus, I don't know what that example is. And so when we see this, when we're sharing this, we are sharing the life-changing, life-transformation message of Jesus. And so Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. He valued Zacchaeus. And he gave his life so that Zacchaeus could have life. And so we're talking about coffee. We're talking about dinner. And we're talking about Jesus. And we're going to take just a few more moments. I'm going to share one more story, and then I want to just share with you to, and a practical example of when someone takes this on in their life, and they begin to say, hey, you know what? I heard the good news of Jesus, and I want to share it with other people. And so I was reading the other day, in my in my quiet time, and I I come across this story about this guy. His name was Lauren Ezel, and, and he was an anthropologist, a philosopher, a scientist, and a writer. And see, the story that I'm telling you is when he was spending his time in a coastal seaside town. And see, Lauren, he suffered his whole life with insomnia. Now, I don't know why he suffered with insomnia, but I don't know about you, but when I'm uncertain, I can't sleep. When I have questions, it makes me restless. And so here he is, he's uncertain, he's restless, he can't sleep, and so what does he do? He gets up and he goes for a walk down the beach. And you think, man, that's pretty awesome. It's gonna be relaxing, it's gonna be inspiring. I'm gonna get some alone time walking down the beach. And Lauren takes off and he walks down the beach and he looks up and he notices these people and they're collecting starfish on the beach. They're picking them up, and they're stabbing them, putting them in their pocket. They're stabbing them, putting them in a bag. And these people are collecting these starfish to eat, to dry out and sell to uh, tourists, to use for whatever they use starfish for, maybe bait. And he thought, in his scientific, anthropological mind, in that just like life, always choosing death. There's no hope. On the other side of the breakers, there's someone picking you up. And just putting you into death. It's natural selection. There's no hope. He went home that night and that day. And the next morning he woke up a little extra early. Just because of insomnia. And he walked the beach just a little earlier that next morning. And he saw one lone person. One lone person. Picking up starfish. And he thought, isn't that just life? Here's another person. That person was different. They were picking up the starfish and they were looking at them and they were alive. And that person, no matter all, they was just one person and they kept tossing the starfish back over the breakers, choosing life over death. And he thought to himself, man, that one person is only making this one difference in this one starfish. And it made him think, well, what about this holy God of all of creation, that his nature was different than nature. Instead of choosing death and choosing no hope, he was a loving, compassionate God that showed mercy. And that example of I'm going to do what I can with the ones that are in front of me. I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to say hello to you. I'm going to do what I can. You know, there may be eight people coming behind me calling out death, but the ones that I can get to, I'm going to share hope, I'm going to share mercy. I'm going to share compassion. I'm going to share life. You know, in, in Mark five nineteen, it says this. Jesus told a man that was bound by demon possession, he, he frees him of that. And whatever demon possession meant back then, mental illness or who knows what it was, he freed him from that. And he told him, he said, now, your home and your family, go to them and tell them everything the Lord has done and how merciful he's been. And so now I want to do what Jesus told that man to do. I want to show you what that star tosser guy did in a very practical way. I want to invite uh, our friend Melissa Manning to come up here. Melissa, can y'all, hey, listen, she's coming on stage. Y'all give it for Melissa? <clears throat> now, Melissa, if, come on this side for me. I'm uh, right-handed. But if you don't know Melissa, I, 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 I beg to differ. Uh, I beg to differ. Melissa has never met a stranger. Melissa loves to say hello to people. She loves to greet you. She loves to just to say, to, to do what Jesus did, notice, right? And so I want to show you the power of, of Melissa noticing someone in a very practical way, okay? And so, I don't know, 15 years ago, Melissa comes back from living out of town and, and she decides she wants to find a church. And she's like, hey, we're gonna get together. We're gonna find this place. And so she starts attending Hope City Church. And then what does she do? She invites her husband. And so, uh, is Michael in the room? I wanna invite Michael up. He's working, he's here in spirit. Okay, listen. But you know what? He invite, then she invites her husband. I love this story because Jesus told Zacchaeus that salvation came to him and his whole family. When one person gets touched by Jesus, it doesn't just touch you. The whole family. The whole family. So Natalie, can you come up here? This is Melissa's daughter. Can Grayson come up here? This is Melissa's daughter. Can Micah come up here? This is Melissa's daughter. You know what? And then Micah's like, hey, my mom taught me how to invite people. I'm going to bring my fiance. Dakota, can you come up here? This is Dakota. And then you know what? Dakota's like, hey, I have family, so I'm going to invite my sister. Emily, can you come up here? Y'all going to, we're going to fill this joker up. So let's go this way over here. Melissa, you stay with me. But you see this. You see what's going on in Melissa's life. She knows what God has called her to. She knows that she's different. She knows that she has value. And she wants to share with the people around her. But you know what, Melissa's like, hey, God told me that salvation's gonna come to my family. But you know what else? There's other people in my family. So, so Mary, Jessica, can you come on up here? She invited her niece. And then she's like, I'm not done. I'm gonna invite. I'm gonna invite my my uncle and my aunt. So Steve, Pam, can you guys come up? Steve and Pam Ryan, they're gonna come up as well. And you know what? They also invited a friend of theirs, uh, Karen uh Kiesel and so that she's gonna come up as well. They're making their way, y'all. They're coming. Listen, and here's the beautiful thing about that is that salvation starts with Melissa. And and the beautiful work is is that it, it, it keeps going because Karen brings her husband, Coach Pat. And, and, and Coach Pat is a, a beautiful man. And we're so glad that that he's here. And then Pam and Steve also invite their sister they bring up Mary Jane, and Mary Jane invites Donna, and then she also invites her niece, Shannon, and Shannon invites her, her, uh, her boyfriend. If y'all don't know if y'all have met Damon. Anybody know Damon? I love Damon. Damon's face, he's over serving donuts in the Hope Team room, and I'm like, man, I love you, dude. He gives the biggest hugs. He's a car salesman. He's super charming. And you're like, man, God's done amazing work, amazing work in your life. But you know what? Shannon just didn't invite Damon. He also invited Marsha. You know what I love about how how like having family and friends and people invite people? You know what I love about that? Marsha's my neighbor now. And I heard her one day go, hey, Pastor Joe. And I was like getting stuff out of my car. And I was like, wow, Melissa. Jade, this is, uh, is Marsha's daughter. And then they invite their friend Tina to come as well. She, she was part of, part of that invite. And then uh, they brought their friend Kristen, Kristen Estes. We love, we love Kristen. She is a, a great joy. And then she also brought her son Spencer. Here comes Pam and, and Steve. Just to, people that are connected to Melissa's tree. And then Melissa's like hey you know what y'all I know, I've, I know I've got like half the neighborhood and I know I've got some friends but there are other people that are in my house there are other people that need to hear the good news of Jesus there are people that are in different stages of their life that still need to hear the hope of Jesus and so Melissa invites uh, her cousin Katie Katie comes and you know, she's in Bible studies and growing in her faith. Like she grew up in a home that knew who Jesus was. And then she grows in her faith. And then she's like, hey, you know what? I just don't want this for myself, but I need it for my family. And so she invites her husband, Brad. Brad comes and he's, he's bringing Presley because she's awesome. And, <laughs> and it's just, but you see the power of the impact because Melissa invited Katie. To come. Where Katie was at in her moment at life. But because of that moment, Presley now grows up in a home that knows Jesus. It does it doesn't take an invite in my mid twenties to come to Jesus. It's a dad that loves Jesus. It's a mom that loves Jesus. It's I get to grow up knowing Jesus my whole life. My whole life. And so Brad, being Brad, he's like, Man, there's got to be some other people. And so he, he brings his cousin, Jeffrey. Can you come up? Can you come on up here? And Jeffrey is just what we want in someone like, G- like to be the follower of Jesus. And you, you don't want to keep a secret. And so he brings his wife, and then, and then he brings a sister, and then he brings a dad, and then he brings a mom. And so that's Cat, and Jeff, and Michelle. And they're coming. They're coming, and their story about Jesus. And they're, they're seeing not just their life's impacted, but they're seeing their son's life impacted. And the generate. look Melissa invited— Katie. And now we have grandma, grandpa, and grandson. The generational depth of the invite going through. Like, Jackson, my goodness, like, what are we doing? Like, your whole life, you're going to get to grow up in the wisdom and the knowledge and the goodness of Jesus. And so Katie, she's invited these people, and then she reaches out, and she, she runs into her good friend at UofL. It's like, man, we're between classes. We you. Can you pray for me? Katie's like, I barely pray out loud myself. (laughs) So she invites Amber. And through time and relationship and mentoring, they've developed this friendship that's valued and centered around Jesus. And then Amber prayerfully in time brings her husband, Brent. And then and then Amber invites her Aunt Kathy. And then Amber invites her mom Dana. Kathy, uh, Amber, uh, Dana brings her husband Johnny. They bring their friend Aaron and Chris. And Aaron and Chris bring their whole family. <laughs> and the Bissingers are just what an amazing blessing of an invite, a life-changing encounter with Jesus that's impacting a whole family a whole family. They bring their friend Nicole, Nicole Sachs and and Mike and Mackenzie and Trey and Faith. Then Amber also brings her friend Jamie. Jamie comes and an amazing story. Melissa invites Katie, gets connected to Amber. Amber talks to Jamie. Jamie's husband gets pulled out of a lottery to become a doctor and now has to move two and a half states away in an island they don't know nobody. But you know what they have? They're not alone. They're not alone. They, they've got connections. They've got people checking up on them. They've got people texting them. They've got people talking to them about Jesus. And so we have, we have their husband, Matt, and then uh, their daughter, Maddie. Is Maddie in serve squad? She's probably in the back somewhere, but they have that. And then Landon, Landon committed his life to Jesus a few weeks ago. He's going to get baptized soon. Cause Melissa invited Katie. Cause Katie invited Amber. Cause Amber talked to Jamie, and Jamie's like, "Hey, Landon, you need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. It's powerful, man. It is. It's so powerful. Are your friends here today? Uh, he's not. not. Well, my dad will be here next. Come on, his dad's coming next service. See how that works?" He's bringing his dad next, right? How awesome is that? But See, Katie's not done. And she invites her friend, Jesse. I don't know if anybody knows Jesse. <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> Jesse, just an amazing friend. Power of Melissa's invite. Now, seven people walk through a 12-month program to find freedom from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Because the power of Melissa's invite. I think I've found something of value. I think there's something different. I need to tell somebody else, right? So, Jesse, she brings her friend Lindsay. And Lindsay comes. Lindsay's here. Lindsay comes to Karen's growth group. Lindsay hangs out. And then Lindsay has this awesome guy it's her husband, Scott. Come on, Scott. Come on, Scott. Love Scott. Scott's been in my growth group forever. And man, just the growth in their family and seeing that. You know what Scott does? Scott and, and Lindsay, they bring, their, they bring their kids. They bring Hadley. You know the beautiful thing about Hadley is that she's a middle schooler. You know what she does? She invites her classmate. And, and now her classmate Trinity's coming on Wednesday nights. And you know what? Their family is, is learning about Jesus right now. Through Lindsay. Through Scott through Trinity, through Hadley. You know, Katie's not done. Katie's not done. Then she invites her friend, Corey. Here comes Corey, just an amazing guy. His wife, Jessica, I see her every day in the car rider line. Just such an awesome lady, just so awesome. And then their friends, Jamie and Michael, they come as well. And then we have uh, their friend, Jasmine. Who brings her friend Haley, Who brings her daughter Haley? Who brings Kyle. Kyle comes. You know, Kyle just doesn't come by himself. Kyle brings his son Dylan. You know, his son Dylan. Man, Dylan is just growing, and you know, he, this past sun, this past Saturday, Dylan got up at 7:30 in the morning and, and ran a half a mountain with some guys in like 30-degree weather. And I'm grateful. Because I think about Dylan, because of his dad, Kyle, having an opportunity to be around other people that know Jesus. And seeing that, man, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's life-changing. There's things that we can do. And so I'm just grateful that they get an opportunity to see that as well. And then, you know, they br- uh, Jasmine uh, also brings her friend Whitney, and their friend Jess, and, and their friend Raz. But then Melissa's like, you know what I got? I don't have just one cousin. I got a lot of cousins. But I have this, I have this other cousin. And that's Allie. And then she brings, she brings Allie. You know, and Allie is just like her cousin. If you don't know her, I don't believe you. She's probably said hi. She's probably said hi a couple times to you. And she wants to meet you. And it's because of the same thing about Melissa. It's true about Allie, and that she's had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, and she wants to share that with other people. And so through Melissa's invite to Allie, Allie gets a hold of Sarah. Sarah comes to a growth group, gets coming, and the next thing you know, Sarah is talking to Kenneth. Kenneth starts coming. Come on, Kenneth. You're my growth group. You got to come up here. Listen, God's stretching you. And because of that, Legend. Legend's now coming as well, just growing. And then another connection through Allie is, uh, is Angela. She's not here. Not that Angela. Different Angela. Angela's not here. She's ready. She's, God's done amazing work in Angela's life, right? But you know what? Listen, God's done amazing things in her life. But you know what? Our friend Angela, she's not here today, but you know what she does? She brings her, she brings her, her dad, Larry. Come on up here, Larry. Larry, just an amazing man, just raising his grandson Bubby, who's just going to be a, a just an amazing wrestler. Just, just living in this great household of, of of a family. And then Allie, she's not done with just she's not just done with uh, with Angela. She she reaches out to her friend Haley because of Jesus. Melissa invites Allie, who bites Haley. And then Haley invites Garnet. I appreciate you coming up here, Garnet. Garnet, and then Garnet's talking to a friend. He's like, "Hey, Joy, you should come and and find about this community and, and learn more about Jesus." And so Joy comes. Yet again, Joy loves Jesus, and she's going to show her daughter. So Jordan, uh, Jordan's here. So, Jordan's here somewhere. She's coming. And here's the beautiful thing, too, is because of Melissa's invite, because we get down the line, we get all the way to Joy, uh, Joy's parents are watching online. They're watching online in Florida. They're just still connected. And then Allie invites another friend named Brooklyn. And Brooklyn comes. And then she's got Amber and Kathleen and Tara and Kara and Clayton and Brooke. Allie doesn't know a stranger or HIPAA law, so she invites Jamie from, from a doctor's office. I love it. Listen, I, I, love, I, love this. I, love Jamie, I love this story. I love it. She's like, I want to share. Give, I just love it. Growing in Jesus, finding community, just, just coming on because of the power of an invite. We have one more, and that's Allie. Runs into Angela. Come on, Angela, cheat him. And then Angela comes, and then she's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring my brother with me. Come on, Anthony. Come on, buddy. Anthony, Anthony's brought, he's brought friends, Austin. He's brought Cameron. I love Anthony. I, yeah, come on, what, like, what are you, like 24, 25? 21. 27, I don't know. I'm old. But listen, I love I love him. My man came because his sister made him, and God's stretching him, you know, using his gifts. He's grown so much in wisdom. He's grown so much in courage. You see him every couple months getting closer and closer to that microphone. Like, my man, and, it, and God is using him. I'm not, being, I'm not being coy. It's so true because I don't know how many guys that I wish that was at, at his age would have said, man, this lady Melissa introduced me to Jesus, and because of her invite, now we can be friends and we can share and talk about Jesus. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. She brings her mom, Faith. She brings Tommy. She brings her daughter, Kaylee and Keegan. She brings her husband, Brian. And they bring their friend, Crystal. Crystal brings her son, Chase. Crystal invites her friend, Tiffany. There are like, there are like 93 names on this list. Look, Melissa. Come here, turn around. Look at that. This ain't even all of y'all. There's probably like another 15 or so, 20 or so that I called off that aren't here. Just think about that. Jesus told Zacchaeus salvation came to you and your whole family your whole house what did, what did Jesus tell tell the guy that was freed from bondage go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done show him how he's been merciful to you can y'all you go ahead and Make your way back to your seat. Thank you, Melissa, so much. Thank you. You know, as everybody's making their way back to their seat and probably to get a tissue and and dry their eyes, I just want to take a moment. I just want to take a moment, and I want to ask you. I want to ask all of us in the room, Holy Spirit, who's my one? Holy Spirit, who in my life is searching? Holy Spirit, who's the one that you see that I need to see? Who's the one that I can begin or continue to show God's love and mercy and compassion to? Who's the one that I can begin to be reminded of Jesus' example of noticing, seeing value, and leading people to himself? You know, here in a moment we're gonna we're gonna sing a couple songs, another song of worship together, and we're gonna have a time of communion. But don't pass this moment ask God right now, put someone on my heart. God, put a burden on my heart so big that it'll last two and a half years to be able to get to a place where I can tell them about Jesus. And we're going to come and we're going to take communion together where we are able to be reminded of Jesus' body broken for everything that we've ever done wrong. Our body's broken for every sickness that we have to endure. And then we're also reminded of of Jesus' blood that was spilt for us that gives us the covenant, the new hope of a life with God forever and forgiveness of sins. If you're not a believer or a follower in Jesus or you don't feel comfortable taking communion, you can let this moment pass you by and stay in your seat. But we just want to encourage you over these next few moments to to pray in your seat, come up and have communion. And also our our prayer team is going to come down here. And maybe today you want to pray with our prayer team in agreement for that person or those people, or maybe you wanna pray for yourself and say, Jesus, I'm on a limb and I'm ready to come to you. Wherever you're at in these moments, let's just have our hearts say, Jesus, I'm available. God, I just thank you for this opportunity. God, I thank you for people that have your heart. God, that, that notice people, that invest in them and see their value. And God, ultimately, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, come into a relationship with Jesus. And so over these next few moments of worship and time together, God, I just ask that you would just be in our midst, in our presence, God. God, give those that need boldness and courage to share their faith to do that, God. God, that it's confidence found in you that we would be able to share hope so that people would come to know you more and more. Amen.